Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You remember that this word debar is the same word that Eliezer used when the translators translated the word errand in verse 33. I never would have done that either. And again, they didn't ask me for that as well, but okay. When he said, I will not eat until thou told mine errand. So that's debar. And we saw that the word debar means a critical issue, an important matter. I think I, I told you about my friend, Dr. Sheraton, Chaim Sheraton, who's the chief of nephrology over at New York Hospital, Long Island Jewish. And I was there with him one time and we were sitting in a room and waiting for him to come in because we were going to have a meeting about a test. Anyway, and I was seeing that, and, and all of a sudden, he throws the door open, Dr. Sheraton does, and he walks in the room, and he goes like this, what's the issue, what's the issue, what's the issue? <laughs> I didn't get it. That was his MO, you know, what's the issue? He just walks around saying, what's the issue, because everybody has an issue, especially a Jewish hospital, lots of issues. Anyway, so what's the issue, you know? Is this a word to bar? What's the critical issue? And so that's why it's a very important word. It's the second word that's used in the book of Deuteronomy. So in Hebrew, the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of Moses, is not called Deuteronomy. It's called Devarim, God's Critical Matters. That's what the title of the fifth book is, God's Critical Matters. Deuteronomy means the law for the second time, like it's some kind of repetition. Again, the translators didn't ask me, so what can you do? The point is, is that the word debar means a critical issue or a matter. So what Laban and Bethuel are saying in verse 50 is that the thing, the debar, the critical issue, the critical matter is coming right from God. And it's an important matter. And you remember that Eliezer, he started his speech by telling him, I'm not going to eat until I've told my debar, my debar, my critical issue, my important matter. And now Laban and Bethuel are saying that they see how critical an issue this was with Eliezer. They see how important a matter it was. And what they're saying in verse 50 is that they see that the critical issue and the important matter is not from you, Eliezer, it's from God. It's God's critical matter. It's God's issue. And when they saw this debar, this critical issue was from God, then they say, well, we can't say anything bad or good. We cannot make a judgment statement about the proposal for Rebecca to be Isaac's wife. They had no judgment statements. They couldn't say anything good. They couldn't say anything bad. All they said, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. You know, They were saying God doesn't need us to approve or disapprove of what he wants to do. They saw all the comments stopped at the debar proceeds from the Lord. I mean, who were they compared to God? In essence, they were saying, we're talking about God here. We're talking about what God sees as a critical matter. It doesn't matter what we think. We're not so foolish as to get into the judgment chair here and comment on what God is doing. God's ultimate debar. 
His ultimate critical matter is the gospel. That's God's ultimate critical issue. The issue that man from his sin has incurred the wrath of God that will cause man to be cast into a hell where he will suffer eternally. That's a real debar. That's a real critical issue. And God's debar, God's important matter that he wants everyone to hear is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, John 3, 16, that's God's debar. That's his critical issue. And when the lost do not see John 3.16 as God's debar, when the lost do not see that they will personally perish into a state of eternal suffering and lose their opportunity for everlasting life by not believing into the Lord Jesus Christ, then they relegate the matter to it's a matter of religion. It's a matter of philosophy. It's a matter of discussion. It's a matter of Christianity, a world religion among many world religions. And they do this because they don't see the gospel as God's critical issue in their lives. And when a person in their unbelief sees his lost condition as the ultimate debar and God's open invitation to believe into the Lord Jesus Christ and not perish, have everlasting life as God's ultimate solution debar, then he'll say about the gospel, the words of verse 50, the gospel comes from the Lord. We can't make any judgment statement about it. And like Laban and Bethel, when a person sees the statements in the gospel, they come from God, he's not going to make any judgments about the gospel. When a person sees the gospel comes from God, and that part especially about that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, he's not going to say something like, I don't think it's fair for God to hold natives in Africa, as if he's so concerned about the natives in Africa, responsible for their sins, because they doesn't even know the natives in Africa anyway, because they don't know as much as we do. You know, last week I was asked a question by a Jewish person that I do not like to be asked, I do not like to give an answer to, and it is the question, why did God allow the Holocaust to happen to the Jewish people? And my response was that the answer to that question is above my pay scale. <laughs> That's a judgment statement about God. God allowed it to happen. That's where it starts. That's where it ends. I cannot speak about the Holocaust, good or bad, bad or good. Same thing, verse 50. And all I can say is that God allowed it to happen, and that finishes my commentary on why the Holocaust happened. And this is what Laban and Bethuel were saying in verse 50. It's a debar with God. It's a critical matter with God that Rebekah go with you and become Isaac's wife. And so it doesn't matter what we think. We cannot and we will not say anything good or bad about it. It's a debar with God. And so Laban and Bethuel said that they would not say anything about this proposal to take Rebekah away with Eliezer and become Isaac's wife. I mean, let's think about what, what Laban and Bethuel might have said that was bad about Rebekah going away then with Eliezer becoming the wife. I mean, they could have said, you know, that's bad. That's a bad idea decide right then if Rebecca should go. I mean, they didn't even have any time to get to know Eliezer or maybe his men with the camels. They didn't even have time to get to know the camels for that matter. <laughs> it's all happened so fast. It's all happened too fast. I mean, it's just this afternoon, Eliezer, we just met you and your men. And now you expect us to just give up Rebecca like that one short meeting this afternoon, that's it? No, we're not gonna allow our Rebecca to be taken away by you to marry someone after we've just met you, the servant of Abraham. We don't have time to think about it. So we think it's a bad for us to decide right now, let Rebecca go with you to become Isaac's wife. We haven't had any time to think about it. They might have thought that. 
They might have thought about, what about the void in our workforce? She's pretty good worker. I mean, you know, she's good camel water or nothing else, you know. Let her go. Who's going to bring the water? You know, I'm sure Laban was thinking that. But because they saw it came from God for Rebecca to be Isaac's wife, says, we have nothing to say. No good, no bad, no good. See, they could have said, it's bad, it's a bad idea. You know, we and Rebecca, we've never even met this man, Isaac. Who is this man, Isaac? You know, can he see well? Does he look good? You know, is he tall? I mean, is he fat? We don't know. We will not allow our Rebecca to be taken away to marry someone that neither we nor she has never met before. We think it's a bad idea for Rebecca to just go become this wife who someone never met before. Yeah, because they saw it was from God for Rebecca to become Isaac's wife, They didn't say anything bad. They could have said it was bad because Abraham lives so far away. We're never going to see Rebecca again. We may not see our grandchildren, our nieces, nephews. We think it's bad for Rebecca to go to become a man's wife so far away. But they saw it was from God. Nothing bad to say. They could have said, you know, Abraham, we're not sure about this fellow, Abraham. He left our homeland. He rejected our homeland. He rejected our people. He was unpatriotic. And we're afraid that if Rebecca goes, she's going to become like that too. And so we don't think it's good to let you take her. But they saw us from God, nothing bad. They could have said, Abraham, what land does he own, Abraham? A grave? You know, they're not going to live in a grave. So, you know, he doesn't even own any land. He has no land in possession. He's kind of strange. He never settles down. He just lives in these tents. He moves from place to place. And what's the matter with him? He can't even decide where he wants to live. Now, we don't want our Rebecca to live like that in other people's lands, always moving around from place to place. We have land here. No land, that's bad, bad. We're not going to let her go. No, Esau came from God. We have nothing bad to say. See, when verse 50, when they say, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good, they were saying they would not raise any of those issues or any other issues or problems for letting Rebecca be taken away to become Isaac's wife. And the reason was because they saw it was from God. And that settled everything. They had nothing to say. They submitted to God. They trusted God for Rebecca. And their trust in God for Rebecca's safety was seen in their silent consent to let Rebecca go. Now freeze that picture in your mind in verse 50 there of them not raising any bad things about Rebecca but going because they saw it was from God. When a person sees God in the gospel invitation, To become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will not raise problems. Just as Laban and Bethuel did not raise issues with any of these issues or these problems with Rebecca going away with Eliezer to become Isaac's wife, because they saw it was from God, same is true for a lost person. All the arguments stop why it's bad for him to become a believer. When a lost person sees God in the gospel, he'll be just like Laban and Bethuel, and he'll say, I'm not going to raise the issue of evolution You know, the scientists say, no. Am I going to become a non-scientific person if I become a believer? He won't raise that. When a lost person sees God making the gospel invitation, he won't raise the issue of translations. You know, the skeptics say we can't know because there's so many translations. Which translation do you want me to rely on? When a lost person sees that God is in the gospel invitation, he's not going to raise the issue of denominations. You know, every denomination says they're right. Which one do you want me to join if I become a believer? See? And all kinds of things. When he sees that God's in the gospel, he's not going to raise the issue of music. Exactly which music here do I have to stop listening to? How do I have to dress now? Uh, that's not so much an issue today, but anyway, it was. You know, if I become a believer. Sunday? You know, like, uh, I have things I like to do. What do I have to do now on Sunday if I become a believer? 
Because for all these things, when God is seen, all the arguments go out the window. And the person has nothing to say, good, bad, or good, other than the thing proceeds from God. person's trust in God is seen in his silent consent to bow his head, give his, the past of his sin with his heart, all of its brokenness, and with his future of all of his uncertainties to God. And all the arguments are silenced. He bows his head, he prays the sinner's prayer and for forgiveness, and he dedicates himself to God. That's why it's so important for us to see how that one statement follows the other in verse 50. The thing proceeds, the debar proceeds from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. And by the way, verse 50 is valuable today because there's another reason why verse 50 is so important because there is a tragic rate in the church of failed marriages. Believers get married. They have all the love and the good prospects imaginable. They've got supporting families. They've got supporting friends. They have a good church. They have a good pastor, and they get divorced. And everyone's at a loss. They memorized all the verses they should have. They were faithful in their church attendance. They were keeping up in their devotions, their Bible reading, yet their marriage failed. And many Christians today are afraid to get married because they see this and they never thought that that marriage would have failed. Just like that, they don't know why. Verse 50 is important because it gives us the only assurance for a successful marriage among believers with the words, the thing, this thing proceeds from the Lord. And what was the thing they're talking about? A marriage between Rebecca and Isaac. This marriage is a proceeding from the Lord. And that's the only assurance that a person can have for a successful marriage is the knowledge that the marriage of this individual with that individual, it comes from God. It's proceeding from God. It's the absolute essential basis for an assurance of a successful marriage. And too often, well-meaning, matchmaking friends or family say of a new marriage, we as matchmakers, we, 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 have, we have joined uh, what, what we have joined them together. So what we as matchmakers have joined together, let no man put asunder. <laughs> and too often, too madly, people are madly in love and passionately in love with each other, saying that what we as a couple in love have joined together, let no man put asunder. But the Lord Jesus taught us the only assurance for a successful marriage is when it can be said, as he did in Matthew 19, 6, what therefore God has joined together let not man put asunder. And that's not to say that God's got a loose stamp of approval. He said, well, you, well, okay, I'll approve you. He's not the justice of the peace that he does. You want to get married? Good, approval. A marriage will succeed if it is clearly seen as God joining together. And that's why verse 50 is so important because the statement between, uh, uh, the statement here about Laban and Bethuel, about this marriage, the thing proceeds from the Lord, that's their statement. They were confident that God was joining them together. And what Laban and Bethel said in verse 50 is what's so missing today, and that's why there's a high rate. It's because many believers just say, we're deeply in love with each other, our parents are for the marriage, our pastor is for the marriage, and what has God got to do with it? <laughs> what do we need God for? We've got the... God's the first matchmaker of Adam and Eve. He's never stopped joining couples together. That's why it's so important to ask the verse 50 question. Does this marriage proceed from the Lord? And what objective evidence do we have that this marriage is the work of God joining together? So the verse 50 has great value for marriages. Now, 
we see that once Laban and Bethuel have come to realize that the marriage between uh, Rebekah and Isaac is from the Lord, then they say, give their decision in verse 51. Behold, Rebekah is before thee, take her, go. Let her be thy master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. See, they were so convinced that the marriage between Rebekah and Isaac came from God that they have an instantaneous response in verse 51. Behold, take her, she's before you, take her, go, right then. Now, what did Laban and Bethuel say for Eliezer to do in verse 33? The word that they said is the verb form of debar. In other words, they were saying at the end of verse 33, when they started off the speech, way up in the beginning of this chapter in verse 33, they said, go ahead and speak your debar. Tell us your critical matter. Now, who had Laban and Bethuel just heard make a speech? It was Eliezer. So who just spoke it? It was Eliezer. Is that who they said had just spoken at the end of verse 51? Who'd they say? They said, the Lord has spoken. See, in verse 33, they told Eliezer, you speak, you debar. Tell your, speak your debar. Tell your critical matter. The end of verse 51, they used the same verb, debar, they used in verse 33 when they told Eliezer to speak. And in verse 33, they told him, tell the critical matter. That's the verb form of debar, tell it. But in verse 51, they said that it was the Lord who had told the critical matter. In other words, in verse 51, when Laban and Bethuel said, as the Lord hath spoken, they were saying that, Eliezer, when you were speaking, all of a sudden we realized it was the Lord speaking through Eliezer. And that's what convinced us, very much like some of the Samaritan men who told the woman that the Lord had met at the well in John 4.42, and they said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, For we have heard him ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. See, just like those Samaritan men, Laban and Bethuel could say, they believed that Rebekah should marry Isaac, not because of what they heard Eliezer say, but because that through Eliezer speaking, they heard the Lord speak, which shows when they were listening to Eliezer speak, they were looking to hear the Lord speak. And that's a pattern that we should follow. When we listen to others, we should be like Laban and Bethuel, listening for the Lord to speak through others. I pray, God, that as I speak today to you, that God will, through me, speak to your hearts. And by the end of this class, you'll say the words of verse 51, the Lord has spoken, not me. That was Eliezer. That was what he was asking God for. See, at the end of his speech, they would say about the Lord, not about Eliezer, the Lord has spoken. So when Eliezer, he heard those words at the end of verse 51, the Lord has spoken, he knew his prayer has been answered. The Eliezer's response was in verse 52, and it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, the Lord has spoken. He worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. That was a response that he gave to his answer to prayer. He worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Can you imagine the family looking at this and seeing Eliezer? I mean, they watch Eliezer. He stops what he's saying, and he puts his head on the ground and worships the Lord. What a display for the family, for them to see this. So you look up at verse 48, where he's talking about what happened at the well. He said, I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. See, Here, Eliezer had told them that when he realized that the Lord had answered his prayer by leading him to Rebekah as God's choice, he took a break and he bowed his head and worshiped the Lord. When the family sees this, that God has spoken, and Eliezer sees that it's an answer to his prayer, 
and he sees the agreement, he takes a break from what he's saying and he puts his head down on the earth and worships the Lord. His mission was not yet accomplished. His mission would only be accomplished when he brought the gal to the guy. (laughs) When he delivered Rebecca to Isaac, that's when his mission would be accomplished. But throughout his mission, he takes these breaks and he bows his head and he worships God. That's a pattern. That's a pattern for us. Eliezer's pattern was to pray and then when God answered his prayer, take a break, bow his head and worship the Lord. And what we see in Eliezer's life, God wants that to be in our lives. You know, there are three activities that God has said, you need to constantly, as believers, be doing this. What were they? What are the three activities? Take a guess. What are the three activities that God wants us to be constantly doing? Pray, rejoice, turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And you'll see these. These are the three actions that God wants to be in a pattern in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. So you turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And you see there that it says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Thessalonians is something that nobody should attempt if they have a speech impediment. <laughs> but anyways, 1 TH 5, 16 through 18, where it says, rejoice evermore. Look at these comments about how often. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice, he says, Cairo. Rejoice. It's the same word that's used for the party that was thrown for the prodigal son that had returned. He come back home. Wasn't it proper that we should rejoice? Same word. It's a, a party. He says, be happy like you're at a party all the time. Does that describe you? We look like we're at a party all the time? That's what God says. He says, rejoice in this way, like you're at a party all the time. Second, pray without ceasing. Another thing not good for a speech impediment. That means without interruption. Pray without interruption. See, that's the case with Eliezer. As critical as this mission was, he didn't let anything interrupt him from his priority to pray. That's why our prayer meetings are important to preserve as prayer meetings, not midweek services, but prayer meetings. And that's why it's important to attend the prayer meetings. Pray without ceasing. Pray without interruptions. Do we do that? Do we pray without ceasing? Or do we only pray when we're afraid? Give thanks in everything or for everything. Give thanks. This is what we see Eliezer doing here. He takes these breaks in the middle of his mission to give thanks. That's why it's important to take time periods. And you gotta eat three times a day? Stop and really give thanks to the Lord for the food. See, not just for food, but in everything give thanks. Are we in a constant state of giving thanks? See, this is the life pattern that God wants for each of us, and that's why these verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 close with these all-important words. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You can look at those verses in 1 Thessalonians and see a finger coming out and pointing at you. Say, this is for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Eliezer's faithfulness and all that he teaches us, Lord, and we pray that you would teach us through his life as we consider these things for this week. In Jesus' name, amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page history of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org.